You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series and syndicating for the A-List Online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith and what follows is a conversation between myself and Spencer Charnas from the outfit Ice Nine Kills. The reason for the conversation is to promote the brand new studio offering from Ice Nine Kills in 2018, that is, The Silver Scream. Let's have a listen to what Spencer has to say. Here we go. How are you? Mate, plugging away. It's a beautiful day over here at the moment. We're just getting into spring, uh, which is uh, the weather here is not too different from what it usually is in winter, so there's not really much to complain about either way, mate. But the sun's up, the sky's blue, and after this chat, I've got a, a full day at uni ahead of me, mate, so I can't complain, it's fair to say. How about you? That's awesome, man. Yeah, it's beautiful here in Los Angeles. Uh, it's about 6 o'clock. What, what, what time is it uh, Australian time? So 11 a.m. the day after, I assume. So 6 p.m. your time on the 12th, and it's 11 a.m. the 13th for me. Oh, oh wow, man. I, I've always wanted to, to come to Australia. Hopefully we'll get there pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, agreed, actually. I didn't realise you hadn't been down here. I thought, because it, was, uh, it wasn't so much of a surprise, but I didn't realise that you'd enjoyed a 15-year a career in the band. So why don't I kick that off as my first question over 15 years in the business so assuming you can make a living from the music industry how challenging has it been for you because you're playing a sort of music which it is bloody hard to make a living from let's face it yeah it definitely uh has been a a challenge over the years but i think as soon as we uh we sort of carved out our own place in the genre and uh, start stopped worrying about what other bands were doing uh, and what other bands were sounding like, I think that's when we uh, really started to see some success in the business. And I think that just goes for anything. You know, you, you got to stand out in this world to uh, to make a difference. And uh, I think we, we, we learned that over time and uh, have been fortunate enough to uh, uh, have found our own way. Mm. So the new album, The Silver Scream, I do love the play on words there with the silver screen reference and the cinematic references, but the... The cut that I've been listening to is the title cut, well, not the title cut, the lead cut, I should say, The American Nightmare. To me, it's a distant relative, and I'm probably showing my age here, it's a distant relative of Dawkins' Freddy Krueger featuring video and song Dream Warriors. And the inspiration across not just the song, but the entire album, The Silver Scream, they're obvious. But my question for you is, how did you pick which horror films you honoured or you uh, did a bit of a tribute to this time around? You know, it was uh, it was definitely a difficult thing to pick out just thirteen because you know I'm I'm a huge fan of the genre and I always have been since I was a little kid, but I think it was it was very important to touch on, um, you know, the most iconic ones, um, in being you know Freddy, Jason, Michael, uh, and at the same time also uh, touching on a few others that weren't the huge mainstream uh, iconic films that everyone in the world would associate with horror, but touching on some that uh, were classics in their own right, you know, cult classics like Silent Night, Deadly Night, Hmm. which if you're a hardcore slasher fan, you're going to know about. So I wanted to help expose um, more people to some of the lesser known ones. And I I hope we're, we're going to be able to do that with this album. Uh, and at the same time, I wanted to uh, not make it uh, stagnant. You know, I, I didn't want to just belabor the same story over and over again of a, a mass killer. 
Um, and I think that we, while we included a few of those, I think we, we took steps to make them each have their own voice. Uh, for instance, you know, the Michael Myers Halloween song is from the perspective of Michael Myers going through uh, Haddonfield. Uh, but also, you know, we have a song like uh, Friday the 13th, uh, the Thank God it's Friday one, which actually comes from the perspective lyrically of the slain counselors mm. warning future counselors about uh, the dangers of the woods. So we, we try to uh, change it up a bit and make it um, definitely have a uh, solidified sound and theme, but also give it some nice variety of the genre. Something else that I really enjoy about the album is the production. Now, I've been a big fan of Drew Falk for some time, ever since I heard his uh, work with Amur on Look At Yourself. Now, I know his work didn't start there, but I was talking to somebody, and I can't remember who it was. Actually, I know who it was now. It was Steve Tucker from Morbid Angel. Because, and I, I mentioned this oh, to cool. Steve, so I mentioned this to Steve, so I'm not, not saying anything that I didn't say to him, but I wasn't impressed with the production on the album, which really surprised me because of the people that were involved in that Morbid Angel album, the, the last one, Kingdom's Disdained. And I felt Drew Falk would be a wonderful marriage between Trag Zagto's guitar playing and Steve's excellent vocals and bass playing. And it, to prove the point, the work that he's done with you on this album here, man, I reckon this is easily your best sounding album, if you don't mind me saying so. But tell me, oh, thank you. yeah, tell me what it was like working with Drew, and what 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 insight and what perspective did he offer the band? I'll also say it's funny that you mentioned Morbid Angel because I, I was literally just wearing an Altar of Madness shirt. Oh, nice. I just put it in the wash. <laughs> um, yeah, Drew is Drew is fantastic. Uh, I I had um, admired his work that he had done with um, Motionless and White. Uh, I just thought that he really had brought a, a beefy sound to the production. And also I knew that he had uh, worked with them uh, songwriting wise. So we were very excited to, to uh, get in there and get in the lab with him, so to speak. And it was just a great experience. Um, and it was a, a true collaborative effort because not only did we work with Drew, but also um, our longtime producer, uh, Steve Sopchak, who operates out of Syracuse, New York, and uh, it was just it was just a great experience, and everyone sort of brought something uh, different to the table. And uh, we also experimented with some other writing sessions uh, uh, and and some really cool sort of outside of the box guest appearances on the album with uh, bands that you wouldn't expect would pair necessarily with a band like ours, uh, but also that uh, really sort of show everyone that you know i'm a punk guy that's how i grew up and mm, really bands yeah. like less than jake yeah pop punk and ska and the album actually features performances from less than jake phoenix dx uh finch and uh mest so that was it was a fun experience putting it together did you get into the uh, self-titled goldfinger album back in 1995 or 1996 whenever that was released oh 100 percent. they're uh one of my favorite bands uh I actually uh, I attended a Goldfinger show when I was a freshman in high school, and I had never seen them before, uh, but I was a big fan. And uh, there was something about the energy of that show. You know, John Feldman, he, he jumped mm. in the crowd on the first note of the set, and I just thought that this is, like, this is crazy. I ended up getting up on stage with them, and he gave me the microphone for, for Mabel. And uh, after that <laughs> night, that's when I started, I started the band. I actually have a tattoo of that uh, date behind my ear, and I saw 
the singer of Goldfinger at Warp Tour hmm. and showed him the tattoo, and he was really excited about it, and he took a picture of it and, and posted it on his social media. Yeah, that's tremendous. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned uh, you're a fan of Goldfinger and that they were a, an inspiration for you because I think they've been lost in the mix somehow in and amongst some of the bigger bigger plays of that ska punk genre like no effects or um, I know they're not ska punk by the way but you know what I'm saying in that broader punk genre. Yeah. Less than Jake and Mighty Boss Tones and I, I don't like punk pop at all to be quite frank but that album is just tremendous. It is just banger after banger and it just doesn't let up at all. It's actually an album that I wouldn't say I've been listening to it consistently, but I've been listening to it on and off over the past 22 or 23-odd years, whenever it's released. <laughs> yeah. and it, it's, Oh, me too, man. Yeah, it just doesn't seem to run out of energy. It's it's an incredible thing, and I really enjoy seeing what John's doing these days with some of the more uh, commercial artists, like Five Seconds of Summer. I think that's what they're called. Yeah. And some of the other pop stuff. So, actually, I asked this question of... Um, it leads into this next question, if you like, but... I asked this question of John uh, Josh Rand of Stone Sour last night or a couple of days ago, and he's the main guy in Stone Sour like you're the main guy here in your band. But if you were ever given an opportunity as a career musician to work with a commercial artist, I'm just going to pick one out of the bag here and say Mandy Moore or Taylor Swift, would you take that opportunity? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think I would really ever shy away uh, from an opportunity um unless the person wasn't talented. And uh, I guess you could say what you want about those two, but, you know, they're definitely talented. And I think that uh, I've always admired uh, female vocalists, um, everyone from, like, you know, Whitney Houston to, uh, you know, you know some old Mar Mariah Carey. And, uh, yeah, I, I would never shy away just because they weren't necessarily in the same genre. Mm. So your, your music does have commercial appeal, it needs to be said, because of the way that you, you're referencing a lot of the uh, the horror horror movies and slasher and gore and all of that sort of stuff. So do you get invited to perform at Comic-Cons and horror-related events? Because you'd be a perfect match for some of that stuff. You know, that's what we're... It's it's cool that you mention that because we're, we're beginning to branch into that world. Uh, there's a big kind of Comic-Con-style festival in Massachusetts called rock and shock which uh attracts um you know filmmakers and and uh especially actors from from the horror world that have been in you know some of the biggest ones to some of the smaller indie ones and there's also an element of a rock show to it so we're actually going to be playing uh that festival uh funny enough at the same place that i first saw goldfinger and was inspired <laughs> to uh to start the band at so yeah, so we we very much want to be involved in that world and circuit, and uh, we uh, hope hopefully going forward uh, we 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 will very much be attached to it. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, good marriage that one there. And what about Australia? Surely you've heard from some fans down here that have been doing the old fashioned. Please come down here and play. We want you to come down here and play. But what's the relationship been like between your Australian fan base and the band over the years? You know, Australia is um, has for the, for a long time been uh, towards the top of the list of places that we need to go, um, and I know that there's been talks of making it happen, and uh, some opportunities just didn't work out in the past. But we have been talking seriously about going over to Japan in 2019 and what the plan 
hopefully will be is to uh, incorporate an Australian leg of that tour mm. in the same trip. And, you know, I've always admired yeah. Australia. You know, one of the first bands I ever saw live when I was a kid was Silverchair. Mm. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I always, always really liked that band. You know, I grew up uh, a big Nirvana fan, a big fan of Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and Alice in Chains. And they were sort of like carrying the torch of that, of that movement. And I remember being inspired by them uh, because they were so young and doing it. And one of the first live performances I ever played as a guitarist, uh, you know, was when I was like eight or nine years old. And we were, our band was playing uh, a Silverchair song and a Nirvana song. So <laughs> I've always had a little uh, Australian uh, kind of um, music. Bit of a connection there. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame what's happened to yeah. Daniel. He's turned his back on rock and roll and he's producing uh, commercial music. In my view, he's one of our most talented, meaning Australia's most talented rock and roll frontmen ever. But he just doesn't seem to want to have much yeah. to do with the genre these days. And to your point, mate, he's he's inspired so many people that I've spoken to in their youth to pick up the guitar and to become musicians, not just rock and roll musicians, but to pick up instruments in general to emulate him. Um, so I hope he. That's cool. Yeah, I hope he. Uh, there was a, a fairly. Uh, you guys don't get Andrew the Andrew Denton show over there, I, I assume, but I know it's syndicated and you can probably find it on Netflix or what have you. But he was interviewed by Andrew Denton recently. He was a really good interviewer. And it was really a bit sad to watch it, uh, Daniel because he appears to have a lot of anxiety, uh, very uh, yeah. fidgety, um, a bit very. It was actually very similar to what the last interview that I've certainly seen of what Michael Hutchins was going through from In Excess. Um, so I hope he, I hope he's all right, mate, and I hope he comes out of whatever it is that he might be going through. Oh, I hope so too. I, I, I didn't didn't know anything about that. I, I knew he had some trouble with uh i don't know if it was uh some sort of eating disorder on some of the records he talked about but i hadn't really heard much from from him in a while yeah there's a bit of stuff in the australian media over the last few years um with him falling asleep in doorways and having he just doesn't look himself well i don't, I don't know him so i can't really say that i suppose but uh put it this way if i had a family member that that was uh in some of the positions that he's been reported to be in in the media of late, I'd uh, I'd probably want to help out, but that's only me. You know, he's free to lead, lead his life and right. do whatever he needs to do. I hope he's all right. Hmm. Definitely a talented guy. Absolutely, mate. Well, I better let you go and get to the next interview. Thanks so much for the conversation. Your album here's a killer one, mate, and I hope to see you out here in Australia sometime soon. Thanks so much. It was great talking with you. No worries, mate. All the best. Take care. You have been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series and syndicating for the A-List online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that was a conversation between myself and Spencer Charnas from the outfit Ice Nine Kills. Thanks so much for listening.